We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. In this segment, we're going to talk about a phrase that I coined called Super Nurturer. What is that? The Super Nurturer is usually a female who takes pride and has no problem providing for someone, supporting someone. They could be married, they could be live-in lovers, they could be roommates, they could be boyfriend, girlfriend, friends with benefits, you name it. But what it comes down to, the woman feels as though she has to take care of or nurture the other partner in the existing relationship. For the sake of argument, let's say a marital situation. She may want to go and do his laundry, do the clothes, do everything for the family and kids and everything. And in the beginning of the relationship, she might have allowed the husband to be the more dominant figure, but she had some prerequisites that had to be met in the household. Primarily, she was looking for more order, purity, and uh, sanity within the home environment. Meaning that drama, that kind of thing, she didn't want in her environment. She wanted something to go along very smoothly. Now, here is the thing. Eventually, she gets to a point where she has a little bit more uh, authority and autonomy in the relationship. However, what she wants to do is actually not assume that role necessarily. She doesn't necessarily want that responsibility. Now, even though she has created the guidelines from home and hearth, she may still have desires to be a little bit more dominant. But she doesn't want to be it in that environment. Instead, what she would like to do is to extend herself maybe into another relationship outside the marriage relationship or home and hearth environment. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because there was a lady by the name of Kay who wrote in who described the situation she's facing. Now, Kay's in South Dakota, and I tried to get her on the show today, and she was about ready to commit to being on the show. And then at the last minute, she got cold feet because she didn't really want uh, certain things exposed. But she told me I could talk about the situation she gave me privy to. Now, here is the thing. She didn't want to go into more details is what it came down to. Understandable. She fell in love with the guy at work about 20 years ago. She's in her 40s now. And this guy put her on a pedestal. And she liked the feel that he gave her of being more dominant. 
So what it came down to, at home when she was with her family, she had to do all the work to keep the house clean, to keep everything pristine. However, in the other environment, when she's with this guy at his place, the tables are turned, meaning that he does everything for her. She doesn't demand it. He provides it. He cooks for her. He bathes her. When she walks into his front door, he undresses her. She's getting the same treatment she gives out to her husband and family. However, she doesn't feel as though it's right for her to receive that from her husband. It doesn't have the same value as it does from a stranger. Now, the other thing is she doesn't believe that it's genuine from her husband. She believes it's more or less like it's reciprocal because you did this for me, I do this for you. So she doesn't take the validity of it seriously. Now, with her other man, that's a different story. So he does everything from cooking all the way to cleaning up the house, everything for her. She has to do nothing. Now, she can also share her emotions with this man. Talk about things that she could never talk about with her husband. Not because they're taboo. It's because she feels as though he doesn't deserve to know her in that way. So, of course, you see a tear system forming, right? Now, also with this, she let down some rules at home. No drinking or smoking in the house. No eating in your bedroom. She had all of these rules in place, which everybody abides by at her home. However, in the other environment in which she's in, she smokes cigarettes and weed regularly. They eat in a bed at his place. He cleans up. She drinks wine and everything while she's there. So she told me it was like being on a vacation where she could be herself with this guy. But when she's at home, She's in this disciplined, structured, and restrictive environment. And what I asked her was, when she was growing up, what kind of environment did she grow up in? And that's what she said. An undisciplined, permissive household with a mother that didn't care whether she was at home or not, whether she did her homework or not, whether she had a boyfriend in her bedroom, etc., etc., So what she wanted to do to address this, apparently, is to have her home structured like her original home was not, but yet be able to go out and have all of the components of her childhood still intact with this other man. Now... You would say to yourselves, well, apparently she values one thing over the other. She values her family because they're in a pristine environment compared to this guy. No, with both of them, they're equally important to her. In essence, she couldn't function without the other. Now, where does the supernatural thing comes in? Where does that come in? Well, that comes in because... She's going to eventually evolve with this guy, just like she did with her husband, where she doesn't want to have that role of dominance that even he's giving her, where she could become more subservient to him. 
and guess what she will more than likely do? Wander over into another relationship where the cycle starts again. There's a good possibility at some point she'll divorce her husband and may marry the new guy and go through the same cycle. This form of duality has a lot to do with the way she evolved as an adult. When she was exposed to as a child, it makes her behave the way she does now. Now, is this sustainable? She told me more than likely not. I really wish, Kay, if you're listening, I sent you the link. You can hit it. Come on the show. We can definitely talk about this. Because she could tell you more about her situation than I can. I'm just telling you some of the things we discuss when we pre tape the show. Which, of course, she bowed out of and asked me not to do. Not to, not to play it. But, still, it comes down to where she finds a level of comfort in supporting her vices on one side and being pristine on the other. With this new guy, she goes down to Missouri and she goes gambling. She would never do that with her family. They go down to Missouri, Oklahoma, those places and gamble. In her household, that's not even heard of. Now, they're not very strict or religious in her household. But she got the husband in the point of being respectful of her. But yet... She still likes the servitude that she provides there for her family. And she likes the luxury of being on a vacation with someone serving her when she's with this other guy. So it's mutually beneficial. Now, what are some of the other things that are challenges in this kind of situation? I asked her what would happen if her husband were to find out. I said, which relationship would be most valuable to you? And the interesting thing she said was that she would actually divorce her husband, break up with the guy, and start over again. Which I thought was kind of odd. And I asked her why. She says, because I like taking care of people. But when I'm taken care of, I have my limitations and I start feeling guilty that they're doing too much for me. And then I have to turn it around in order to keep myself interested in the relationship. But I will still need a component in order for someone to still cater to me that's not directly associated with me. And the best way she's described it was, you don't shit while you eat. what she was saying was her home is where she eats that guy's place is where she shits you will find different quirks and idiosyncrasies in people now she sent me a photo of herself very conservative if I was just to see this woman walking down the street I would assume that she was a corporate banker 
She doesn't look like the wild child. She doesn't look crazy or anything. She looks like a mom in her mid-40s that is already committed that you would never see as a woman that was, of course, engaged in this sort of lifestyle. And you will have people like that. People have different quirks and idiosyncrasies going on in their lives and their marriages that people never know about, not even their partners. Now, the one thing I want you to take away from this segment is this. When people sometimes go outside of the relationship or marriage to cheat, there may be other drivers besides uh, having a desire for that other person. It could be a need within them that exceeds any other human capacity. It has more to do with the desire that they have that has nothing really to do with the other person, but it has more to do with the environment and the way they were brought up, their behavior within that environment. And these are things that you have to consider and think about. It would be nice to have a roadmap to everyone. What we go through and we open up a textbook and we could just call it for what it is and underscore it and say, everybody's like this. Of course we can't. We all have a level of unpredictability in all of us. That's the dynamic that attracts us to each other. And as we learn these things along the way, we got to remember we're learning it just from that person. Now, there may be some characteristics and traits that we can kind of make patterns out of, true enough. But do we have the actual roadmap? The answer is absolutely not. You know, if roadmaps were given to us on everything that we had in this world. Well, we could probably go and look at some of those old charter maps from way back when to find out where all the gold is in shipwrecks and those kind of things. And we know that the accuracy there is kind of uh, sketchy at best. So we live and we learn as we go along through this maze of uh, challenges, changes, and opportunities called life. That's all we can do. And the biggest decision we have to make, no matter what relationship you're in, is the one question. Is it worth it? And what's the long-term benefit? And sometimes we don't want to look at it that way because we may not think it's worth it. We may not think there is a benefit. And we just stay in relationships and languish because it makes us feel better when we don't have to think about decisions we have to make in life. More in a moment. All right. Naomi from Baltimore, Maryland writes the following. I'm 32 years old and I feel like I'm a loser. Seriously, I really feel down on myself. I'm not suicidal. I don't want to hurt anyone, but I feel as though I've wasted my life 
I just got out of a nine-year relationship. Don't have a damn thing to show for it. Not a child, not a wedding band, not even a proposal. The only thing I got throughout that time was sex and a bunch of usury by his family. Now I'm at a point where I'm sitting in a shelter trying to figure out what's the next step in my life going forward. There are many men that I could call that within a moment they'd be over here and I'd be in a nice lavish apartment or home but I don't want that. I'm looking for substance. I'm looking for character. The very things you talk about on your show are the very things I look for. Very difficult to find in these days. One thing that I'm not going to ever do again and honest to God I mean this. I'm never going to go with a man out of desperation. I've done that too many times and it cost me nine years of my life with a deadbeat, no-count man. Are there any shortcuts to finding a decent man? Because I sure don't see them here in Baltimore. Naomi, Baltimore man. Naomi, um, here's the thing that I try to tell many of you young ladies. The worst kind of relationship you can get into is a long-term one in your 20s. Marriage included. Those are your most productive years. Those are the years that you could actually select the best man for you. And you could take your time through your 20s all the way into your 30s when it comes down to marriage. A lot of you start too soon. And before you know it, you're stuck with a whole bunch of kids and you're not even 30. And your marketability has dropped. And the guy you're with, if things don't work out, you're stuck. And try compounding that with no education, no skill sets. And the only thing you have to do is depend on your body in order to try to get a man interested in you. About how fine and attractive you are. You're putting yourself in a bad spot. But... Now, let's say the horse has left the barn with you on that. You don't have any children, which is a good thing. You're in your 30s. You're single still. You now understand your value. Like you said, you could call a man and he could be over there and put you in a lavish home or apartment. It's his, though. And that's where you're having a problem. And it's understood. Because you've already gone through that. Don't focus on a man right now. You need to focus on yourself. You'll be 35 soon. At 35, there are a lot of things that are going to change. Because if you never got serious about yourself at that age, you need to be definitely serious. You should start at 28. Because now you got to start making plans. First thing, if you're not employed, get you some employment. Next thing, you need to come up with a plan to get you your own place. Third thing, transportation. Fourth thing, you need to look at putting you away some money. Fifth thing you need to look at besides that is to establish a lifestyle that you can live with within and below. 
when you've done that, you're not going to go out looking for a man. Let the men come to you. That's been part of your problem. You've been going out looking for someone that should be looking for you. Why is this? When you're looking for a man, as I've always told you ladies, men think something is wrong with you. So what they will do then is they're going to treat you as if something is wrong with you. And it could very well be that you're just interested in a guy. But see, you made decisions out of desperations, out of a crisis. And that limited your choices. Believe it or not, the wiser decision, and you may not like this because you want to be independent, is to go back home, get yourself back on your feet, and then go back out in the world. But, of course, you probably want to prove yourself by staying in the shelter, being defiant, those kind of things. I get it, because pride will get you in a lot of trouble. Pride will get your ass kicked. Men know this. That's the reason why we try to avoid fights, based on pride. Somebody's going to get killed. Or hurt. So, instead of going through that, I think I would look at it that way as far as getting myself into a situation where I would have more autonomy, where I can make better decisions. See, the more autonomy you have, and you're not pressed on trying to find a place, trying to find this or that, you'll start to think things through and make wiser choices. Or even look at some of the decisions that you still have at your disposal that you never looked at before. What would that decision be? As a female, all right, I'm going to take your place for a second. Is there a university or college near you? If it is, you know what I'd do? A twofold method. I would first look for a job at that university. And the kind of job I would look for would be an administrative job or something that where I could get in with the bare minimal skills. And the next, next thing I would look for is to see whether or not they would pay for my tuition to go to school while I worked there. If they would, because there's some colleges that will let you go tuition free while you work there, I would go that route. And that way, it will probably be easier for you to get housing on that facility. You'll get your education. You will have a job. Now, what would that mean? You'd be upping your game a bit. Let's say in four years you graduate. You have your degree. You're still working for the same entity. True enough, you're not making the big bucks like they do at other private sector jobs. But here's the thing. You got your stability. Stay on the job. If you were to get married and have a child, more than likely they have benefits for that child to go to college for free. Guess what that does? That lighten the burden on you later on in life if you had to send your child to school. So... What's going to happen with you being a college graduate working at a university? You're going to have better choices in men. You're going to have wiser decisions to make in where you want to go in your career and your lifestyle. That's one option that you have at your, at your disposal right now. Military is kind of out because you're 32, you're a little bit too old for that. 35 is usually cut off for service. You could try it if you want to, but I think you'd have to work too hard at this age. That's something you start when you're younger. 
with something like this will be a good start for you. Then you go on, get your master's degree, maybe apply to become an instructor or something of that sort. You'll make it a few extra dollars. You can improve your lifestyle, your living arrangements, and you'll be around people who have pretty good incomes as well. And guess what you probably won't deal with? The guy that's going to string you on for nine years like you've already experienced. That's an option for you. Think about it. All right, folks. Um, the one thing you have to understand, too, is this. When you're at the mercy of someone in a relationship... They may treat you fairly and they may treat you, of course, poorly. And you may not grow from that position you came to them in. You know, the guy that tells you you should be thankful for everything I've done for you. The lady for you guys who wind up with a woman who kind of saves you from the dregs of society. Tells you the same thing. They're giving you that constant reminder that you ain't shit without their effort. It's a horrible thing to live on. And you constantly hear that drone over and over again about how you are falling short of their expectations. And they keep feeding you this and you're sick of hearing it over and over again. And some of you become complacent and say, well... Uh, that person doesn't expect much out of me. I just keep here where I am because right now I got you know four hots and a cot. So why I'm in mean, cot four hots and a cot. So why am I complaining? That's a defeatist attitude. You never tried to do better. Some people will give you that challenge in order to make you do better to get out of their place. So, timelines come into effect. Hey, you know, uh, yeah, you could be here for about three months uh, with no job, but you got to go and find something and you got to contribute and you got to put money away in order to get out. So what they'll do is they might say, well, I'll cover the bills. You just save your money. But if they see you spending your money lavishly or foolishly in that process, then they expedite the time you need to leave because they feel as though you're not serious. So you're going to have to definitely come up with a plan that's going to make sense for yourself. You never leave yourself at someone's mercy. I don't give a damn if you only make $800 a month. That's $200 a week. Even with that, you have some sort of power and say as to what you could do with your life. It's not about how much you make. It's about how wise you are in utilizing your funds. That's the key. That is definitely the key. You know, I look at migrant workers in this country that live in trailers out there on the farms. They don't make very much. But it just so happens that they can still have families and still feed them and take care of them. 
even though they don't make much, even though the lifestyle is not what people would want. You got to ask yourselves, what are their priorities and how they're making? They're making it because they're more focused on their priorities. As long as they're more focused on their priorities, guess what happens? They become more successful in their endeavor. Well, when you have your priorities as to saving face, keeping up with the Joneses, projecting an image that you don't have but that you feel, that's when you wind up throwing away your money. This is what I tell younger people all the time. You throw away more of your money trying to be fashionable and stay around doing these things only later on in years to come back and say, you know, that was really a stupid idea. How many of you remember the members-only outfits? I remember back in the day, guys would pay arm and leg for those. Now, we tease people about that. We tease people even after that was over with about that. Because these fads will break you young people financially. You'll waste more money trying to keep up with the Joneses. And again, like I tell you, you don't know if Mr. Jones is selling cocaine and Mrs. Jones is selling pussy. You don't know. You just assume. So you got to open your eyes and see beyond the obvious. The obvious is always going to be there. You got to think about the best deal for you. If that person gives you a timeline on how long you need to be there before you start producing, you should have already had in your head what you had to do and also had that deadline. And don't look at it as a flexible one, but one where you need to do what you need to do in order to get out of their residence or their property. Yeah, they'll be nice. They'll have sex with you. They'll be cordial, but they'll also be serious. And sometimes you think you're going to make it through with the romance, the love, the sex. That shit don't work. The practicality and logic of it does. Because, again, logic trumps emotions. That's the way it goes. If you do something emotionally, guess what you do? You become logical about the criticism of what you did if it was something that was detrimental to you, right? If you do something that's beneficial based on your emotions, what happens? The logic of, man, that was a good decision I made. You put that in your back pocket, don't you? It's all about thinking before you love. One moment. Let's examine the uh, playbook of insults when it comes down to dating. A lot of things that women constantly say. You're gay. Tell a guy that. You have a little dick. You're broke. You're ugly. You're too short. You're too dark. Your teeth are fucked up. You stink. You 
crazy. You're psychotic. You're a sociopath. It goes on and on and on and on. Women can do this to men all day long. What do guys usually say? They don't get their way, they get rejected by a woman. She's a bitch. She's a whore. She's ugly. Her pussy stinks. She's fat. That's usually where it goes. And there are others. But usually those are the most immediate go-tos. Now, out of all those terms said, if you form a reaction, what you've done, you've let that person win out. Oh, my insult riled that person up. You know what doesn't? Walking away from them and never acknowledging them and not giving them any power. That works better than anything else in the world. You see, you could have this charismatic leader that uh, leads legions of people, tell them what to do. But where does it all start? It all starts with one simple four-letter word, H-O-P-E, hope. As long as those people have hope in their perspective, they will think that that charismatic leader is going to, in some way, bless them or help them in some kind of way, in a positive way. And so what they do to foster that hope is allegiance. I go back to Hitler in Germany. When Germany was down in the dumps after the Treaty of Versailles. What did he do? He gave people a sense of hope. No matter how notorious and evil he was, that was to be hidden. Because the one thing that he had to do was to win the people over with some sort of love and vision. And so the people felt acknowledged. They felt appreciated. They felt abandoned by the last administration at that time. They felt hopeless and lost. This is how charismatic leaders come to power. Not from taking the power, but from others giving them the power and as you give the power in that quest for hope what are some of the things you give up along the way your dignity your standards your boundaries your values your self respect because you're like a gambler at a casino taking every dollar you have and saying all in And then you begin to believe this person, try to be like them. You want to mimic them. You want the same respect and dignity they have. Hitler had a driver and bodyguard 
that had his mustache cut like Hitler's. Out of admiration. That gentleman, he died eventually of jaundice. And everyone around him admired him. Not necessarily because he was a messiah of sorts, but because it gave them prominence and gave them a place in the world. False hope of dignity, respect. Ministers do it all the time in churches. God's going to bless you. They need to hear it from somebody else. Because they don't have the confidence to believe in it themselves. Get in a relationship with a charismatic person. You get those same benefits. The thing is, if you're in with the master manipulator, you have a problem. Because not only do they do that to you, they do that to others. And they put you on par with the rest of those people. Narcissists do this all the time. But now, charismatic leaders, ones that are efficient at what they do, they also look at their limitations. I'm using Hitler as an example here. And what did Hitler do when it came down to the Catholic Church? Well, he knew that a good percentage of The German population was Catholic, and what was he not going to do? Initially, he was not going to create any beef between his administration and the Catholic Church, so he signed his first accord with them. To exemplify the reassurance that he's going to convey onto the people, the hope. Because, see, the whole thing comes down to making a person feel better about themselves when they really haven't done anything to do so themselves. You're hoping that through this person, this Messiah of sorts, things are going to come out better for you based on them just being there and making you feel better. Modern day, you could look at Trump. You could look at any other leader that's charismatic Stalin and all the rest look at China right now with President Xi and what happens when people get of this uh, stature they're exempt from certain things that other people will face based on their power based on the allegiance of the loyal following. They don't want to feel out of step. They don't want to feel like they're going to ruin the opportunity for everyone to benefit. So things that they know would be morally wrong, they ignore them. Because their allegiance is far more important than their own logic, common sense, values, and standards. And when a person stands up for those things, comes into conflict with what is popular 
when that happens, of course, if there are any guidelines, rules, standards, or morals that have to be changed, such as constitutions, or any other kind of religious doctrine, they will change them to accommodate what is appealing to the people. People have done this throughout the ages with the Bible. They've done this also with other doctrines. Now, what's one thing that a charismatic leader must have? A foe, an enemy of some sort, imagined or real. Whether they're a threat or not, something that's different, something that's absurd, something that would, of course, ensure more allegiance to the people that follow them based on the fear of not being a follower. So it would come down to something of the sort, such as the resistance, people that don't agree with the leader, are those who duck their heads quietly in silence that don't give full-throated allegiance. What this does in the process is it skirts the accountability of the leader. So they will ignore his flaws or her flaws. Those things will not be looked upon as something that would be unacceptable. They'll get a pass for it. This is nothing that Trump has created, Hitler created, Stalin created, or any other other leaders throughout history. This is something that you as a person does. You will go like a record artist, somebody who's making a song, like that song, like that artist, like the way they perform, go to every concert. And that person will be the political influencer for your opinion, your belief. They may not know anything about science and may say something to the effect of you could have a peanut butter sandwich and don't have to worry about COVID. People will believe it because that person said it. Remember Oprah when she mentioned uh, about beef years ago and how that was a big shocker to everybody and Oh, the cattle industry was riled up. Everybody was riled up about it. That's the power of influence. Now, who are the influencers in our lives? People that are on TikTok and the internet that are trying to get views, likes, and follows. Who could care less about the lives of anyone who does so as far as following them? It's about their self-aggrandizement. The power those people give them at every turn. So with this power, what happens? Condescension. With this power, what happens? Gaslighting, patronizing. The leader does all of this in a way of manipulating and control the masses. And then they get to a point of abusing their followers. They may call them names. 
fans are called monsters in some instances. I think it's complimentary. I remember in radio years ago, there was this one host that remained nameless that used to call all of his listeners idiots. And I never forget Ford Michael, a gentleman that was one of the instructors at the Columbia School of Broadcasting. He said, that's the biggest insult you could ever extend to someone who's listening to you, buying the products from the show. He says, that person got a little bit too comfortable in their own ego, in their own space, and failed to realize those people quit buying the products because they're not listening to the show. The show goes away. This is the reason why you have to acknowledge and respect people in general. You give the power to leaders. They don't take it. Those are you ladies that talk about how he's so controlling in the relationship. You've given him that power. You control the relationship. You control when you guys are going to date. When you say yes, we're going to be a couple. When you guys are going to have sex. When you're going to have a child. When you're going to get married. It's all based on your feelings and your sentiments. But some of you ladies never mature enough in order to understand that. Or never see it. Because you're around a lot of weak people that may not themselves is worthy of having an opinion doesn't mean you have to go in and overdo it see there's a thing called being firm and fair that's how charismatic leaders stay in power because they respect the fairness when a charismatic leader becomes biased and it becomes an individual that is narcissistic and flippant when it comes down to concerns of people you wind up like people such as Gaddafi such as Bautista down there in uh, Cuba the Shah of Iran you wind up getting ousted because you get too comfortable with abusing people because you're so used to the allegiance and the loyalty that you take it for granted. And you fail to realize many of those people that are supporting you, that are kissing up to you, they have a lot to lose if you lose power. If that charismatic leader loses power, those people are also going to lose their loyalty. Because their loyalty is actually the stake in which they have for you to be successful. And when they see you lose that, they leave. These could be based on friendships, relationships, people you admire. I used to have this friend, and he had very good diction. And he would go and give these fiery speeches about you know things in society that were wrong and oh he had an audience 
And he wrote a book that never got published. And he had a whole bunch of women around him. Oh, they loved everything he said as his activist. He couldn't keep a job for two weeks. You get up on his soapbox at work. They didn't want to hear that shit. They fired him. And of course, he used that as victimhood. Those evil people fired him. No, you signed a contract to do a job. You didn't fulfill that obligation. So they justly fired you. Oh, but the people that loved him didn't believe that. Those evil white folks fired him because they were racist. Nope. He spent working time talking about bullshit. You have to remember, most activists, most rebels, don't get any traction. People that get the traction are the charismatic leaders that people feel as though they have hope in. Look at the founding of this nation. They were scared shitless starting this country. They didn't have any other choice. They had to be. The English were well-equipped, weaponry, superior weaponry. They were still dependent on many resources from the British. It wasn't like we had F-11s and all these other F-22s and everything. We had none of that. We had grit, fear, weapons, and Bibles, and had very few of all. Not to mention slaves that contributed to the Revolutionary War that people don't talk about. Yeah, they fought too. But we don't think about these things. But what did the Founding Fathers do? They wisely went against everything that they saw in England when it came down to one person having too much loyalty and too much power. Because you got to remember, a person who is the king or queen of England is also the head of the Anglican Church throughout the world. Like the Pope on the Protestant side. So they are wearing two crowns, as Queen Elizabeth does today, as probably as... Uh, Prince Charles will at some point or Prince William for that matter so the forefathers of the United States saw this and they wanted to create a document our constitution that did not allow that to happen You've got to ask yourself, what's the constitution of your relationship? Well, you won't have a tyrant. Well, you won't have a dictator. 
have you guys talked about how power is to be shared in a relationship? Or do you have a relationship where you have a charismatic leader and you're at his mercy or at her mercy? Augustus Caesar realized that Caesar Augustus he could turn his thumb down that meant death he could turn his thumb up that meant life and what did the crowds come to see they came to see someone punished that was entertainment to see a woman who had cheated on her husband be sexually abused by a bull or a horse. Yes, those things happen in the Colosseum, folks. Or to see a man torn to shreds by a tiger or a lion. Turning his thumbs up, he became the merciful. Turning his thumb down, he became the feared the notorious and with charismatic leaders they have to have the talent to do both we look at the situation in the Ukraine right now with Putin horrific atrocities occurring in the Ukraine gallant lies being told to his people in order to justify their loyalty and their commitment. He's saving the Russians from Nazis and from all kind of evil people. At least that's what they're getting. He controls state television so that it would resonate that message. But in reality, us in the rest of the world see the atrocities. Beautiful women going out there putting on uniforms to fight for their country. When they should be in relationships. When they should be with their husbands, family members, along with men who are dying in that same vein to protect what they have. And the West and everyone else is waiting for Putin to take his thumb as Caesar Augustus did and turn it up. So he will be Putin the merciful. That's where we are, folks. See, most charismatic leaders want to be feared. That's the narcissism that kicks in. And the reason why it kicks in is because they're afraid themselves of the people finding out the truth and turning on them. So they have to have that element of fear. And then have that element of being benevolent and merciful so that he would be unpredictable and therefore he would be better tolerated and better appreciated as being fair. Some of you may find yourself in past relationships like that, where you were with a tyrant, men and women, 
And some of you will find yourselves in relationships where you don't know how to approach your partner because you don't know if they're in this tyrannical state at one point or in this benevolent state in the other. So you walk on eggshells in the relationship out of fear. Forced allegiance, loyalty, hoping things will get better. So your hope is based on the success of that person in leading you. This is the reason why I tell you folks who listen to me, you're a listener, you're not a follower. You are a leader. You're not a victim. You're going to have to lead your lives and not be led by a dictator or a tyrant. And you have to be careful not to turn one yourself. Because when you turn into one of those, the people around you that you think love you, don't. They won't. They love the benefit that you give them. What is that benefit? The notoriety, the established, the status. The established status, the ability to mingle in other circles. But outside of that, you have very little value to them, even though they're going to project that they love you. The moral of the story is this. Don't fall in love with love itself and thinking that every vehicle that gives you hope is that very same thing you seek because there's a good possibility it isn't. It may be your own fears in camouflage. Here are a list of things I expect men to pay for if we're dating. Um, number one, all dates. And I don't mean dinner dates, I mean kayaking, snorkeling, going to theme parks, zip lining, etc. I expect a man to pay for all that. Number two, my nails. I get my nails done uh, roughly once a month. They, you know, that's pretty good for me, so I expect him to pay that. Number three, my hair. Um, I just feel like as your girl, I should just not walk around with my hair looking crazy. And you should pay for it. Number four, gas. I just think that that's just like the masculine thing to do is to make sure that my gas is always on full. Number five, wax. Um, I feel like that's pretty much self-explanatory. Like, you should just pay for my wax. Yeah. Number six, my electric bill. Chances are, if we're dating, you're probably going to spend a lot of time in my house, which is going to cause my power to go up. And so you should just pay for it. Let me know what y'all think. Guys, I'm going to tell you up front. If you have even thought about accommodating a woman with these types of demands, you don't deserve your dick. Just pull it off and throw it in the river. Because this right here is the epitome of what men do not want in a woman. This type of woman usually winds up getting screwed, left over with the child time and time again because we already know what we're dealing with with that now who would she be applying this regimen of rules and regulations to simps simple impotent male prototypes guys who are insecure 
question of masculinity because they grew up in a single-parent household, trying to prove themselves because they had a domineering mother that told them, please the woman first. Woman comes first, you second, or last. Now, here is the sad part about this. There are men that think this is okay. Oh, that's my girl, she's looking good. I want you to understand one thing. How does she look before meeting her and having those demands? Was her nails fucked up? Was her hair fucked up? Was her teeth fucked up? Was her light bill getting ready to get cut off? More than likely not. So what may have happened here? But there are several things that could have happened. One, the dude that finally was doing this shit got wise and said, I'm not doing it no more, so she needed another sucker. Number two, it could be that she's paying her own bills and values her money more than yours. So she's going to tell you all these things in order to measure up to this hypergamous standard that she has, which is bullshit. Ladies, you wonder why a lot of black men, a lot of men in general, wind up dating other women other than African-American women? This right here is the epitome of the reason why. Every other race of woman I've ever dated has never asked me to pay for their hair, to pay for their nails, car payments and that kind of thing. It's only been African-American women. And I'll put it to you this way. It's only been a certain type of African-American woman. Not every African-American woman I dated by no stretch. I have dated sisters that would have been embarrassed to come out and talk about something like this. Because they have their own. They have enough personal integrity to have their own. This woman has no integrity. The only thing you have here are just a list of demands. If she's going to give you some sorry aftermarket pussy, and that's supposed to make up the difference. Fellas, open your eyes. Because I guarantee you when this woman gets about 35, she's going to be scrambling for a man that really gives a damn about her. And it's going to be a kind of a hard thing for her to get. And the reason being... Nobody's going to take her seriously. See, what she would need to find is a man with low self-esteem, self-esteem so low that he puts her on a pedestal and he kisses her ass. This is the kind of woman you go down on her because she wants you to. She's not sucking your dick. Oh no, she's too good for that. But this is the very kind of woman that would go for a white man and do anything he wanted her to do. And guess what he wouldn't do? Have to pay for her nails and all that shit. She'd figure out a way to get it paid for. And she'd be speaking the Queen's English around him. It'd be a whole different world for her. You gotta slap the bitch out of yourself, fellas. And start realizing... Women like these are useless to you going forward in life. 
These will hold you back. You can find these on any street corner, any nightclub, any bar. They're always parading around. Because the only thing they have is that personal pride. See, it's a false sense of pride at that. She asked for all these things, but one thing she didn't ask for, you notice? She didn't ask, uh, I want a man that can help me pay my college tuition. I want a man that can help me with my wardrobe to go out and get a decent job or a career. She didn't ask for any of those things, did she? So what does that tell you? You come out better dating a homeless woman in a shelter who is humble enough to say, hey, just give me an opportunity. She'll be a better bet than this shit right here. And I'm not talking about the woman personally. I don't know her. I'm talking about what she's presenting. Ladies, how would you take it if a man came up to you and said, before we could date, uh, you got to give me sex every night. You got to give me a massage. You got to have my bath water done. You got to have my food cooked. You got to have my clothes ironed and all down the list. What's the first thing you think? Well, shit, what are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do when I'm working and I'm not there? That would be grossly unfair to you for a man to put that on your shoulders, right? Well, we look the same way when we see this, especially when you just get to know someone. Now, there are some women who use this in particular in order to deter men they don't like without dissing them. They'll do this in order to deter them from trying to pursue them because she's not interested in it. Okay, I get that. Some women may use that technique. But there are others that honestly believe this. Guys, I'm telling you, if you fall for this bullshit, you deserve what you get. So, you marry somebody like this, let me tell you how your marriage will go. You would always be subpar to her. You'd never measure up. I've seen so many guys get in these kind of marriages and relationships. She's never going to do shit. Because see, the reason why she doesn't want to go to school or better herself, she's depending on you. And she's going to push you to make all the money in the world you possibly can. Because see, what she's going to do eventually is leave your ass and take half, if not more. And she's going to find another weak-ass man to do the same thing with until she amassed a nice little fortune. Like the lady that I've met here in Vegas. She told me, oh, I'm not ruining my nails to work. Uh-uh, I just get with a man, do my thing, and go on. We already knew that we were not compatible in the relationship. From the minute I met her, I knew right off the bat. And of course, she tried to pull that shit. Oh, you can't afford me. It's like, no, you're right. Because other men have already paid for you. What's that supposed to mean? You didn't earn it yourself. I respect the men that went out and bust their ass to put you in the position you're in. I don't respect you and your efforts because you didn't do shit. Women who have integrity, pride, and confidence in themselves, they don't stoop to this level. 
So when they have standards, those standards are tangible, they're real, they're attainable. Reason being, they're comfortable within themselves. They're not gonna sit down there and wait for a man to take them to Bali. If they wanted to go to Bali, they'll go by them, they'll go by themselves and with their girlfriend. They don't have to sit there and be at a beck and call for a man to do something with. Fellas, this is the kind of woman that'll wind up in Dubai. And we know what happens in places like those, don't we? So for the most part, I would tell you, this is fair warning. For you young men in your teens, going into your 20s, this is the kind of girl you want to avoid. You fuck around and get her pregnant, your life will be a living hell. You don't even want to screw a woman like this with this mindset. I'm telling you. You can get to a better quality of woman that's looking for something for herself in life. Now, what you'll also notice is this. That woman that's trying to really do something with her life, doesn't matter about her race or background. That woman that's trying to do something with her life, guess what she's going to prioritize? Her own personal success first. She doesn't want to say, mom, dad, boyfriend, or somebody else helped me do it. She's going to do it on her own. Because what that does, it builds her confidence. Builds her self-esteem. And guess what? She's going to be more selective on the man she wants. And guess what she's not going to be looking at? All the material bullshit. She's going to be looking for the quality of the man. Not the quantity of it. That's how a lot of these successful women find successful husbands. That's what they do. A woman with this mindset is going to take a mini dick throughout her life. And that's about it. Because once the guys realize what she's about, that tip that he's given her to pay for her nails and all the rest of the shit she just rattled off, that's money that many wealthy guys can afford to throw away because they'll spend that for dinner. Talking about going kayaking and all this other shit. You know, it really cracks me up. I took a lady out one time who wanted to go out and she wanted to go on the skidoos. I thought she knew how to use it. I didn't know how to use them. I'd never been on them at that time. We had to get the damn lifeguard out there because I ass almost drowned. She couldn't even swim. But the reason why she wanted to do it was because it was popular at that time. I remember dating Monica when we went out to go snorkeling in that time. Oh, she was comfortable swimming all under the caves and all that bullshit. I'm sitting there near the surface trying to look out for sharks and shit. Nervous as hell. Because I know one shark show up, there's a problem. I don't give a shit whether he was there just checking out everything or if he was there looking for a meal. 
I was also thinking I didn't want him to bite off of my woman's ass either because, well, that was a different story. But the main thing I didn't want to have happen was for us to be caught up in a situation. And after she, we got out, she got upset with me. Why don't you come down there with me? Because somebody needed to be up just in case something ate your ass. I told you I wasn't going down there. You shouldn't go down there either. Yeah, I know, but I just wanted to see. I was just curious, and it was real beautiful. I'm saying to myself, shit. I know my limits. And she was like, oh, you're a chicken. You're no. Call me a chicken. You swim your ass out in the Pacific Ocean as I have in the past when I was in the service. And you can't see what's underneath you because the water's different here than it is in Asia and the Caribbean where you can see miles out. You don't know what the fuck is scoping your ass out as a meal. It only takes one bite. And even if they, you know, it cracks me up how these people say, well, you know, the shark, you know, they really don't like humans. Well, they may not. But guess what? You don't know when the last time he ate. And I tell you what's really fucked up. And I saw this one time. We were overseas. A shark used the bathroom. It's the most fucked up thing I ever saw. They open their mouths, they take their stomach and they turn it inside out and bones and shit come out. I thought they boo-booed like humans. Not only do they eat out of their mouth, they... Mm-mm. You think I... No. And she said, well, since you don't snorkel, I won't put you through that again. I said, no, you can go on and snorkel. No, 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 no. And I said, no, you should go on and do it. She was like, no. And she said, no, I really think about it. It was kind of foolish and it was very dangerous what you did. I was like, well, you know, you enjoyed the moment. I didn't. I was worried about you. And she said, yeah, if a shark would have shown up, we would have been fought. I said, yes. <laughs> and if it was a great white, I can't yell underwater. And the other lady I took out there, oh, I want to go ski doing. I want I want to do that. That seems like it's fun. Didn't listen to the instructor. No. Oh, no. She knew everything because she had watched television and saw the people do it. I'm up there taking lessons of the just gradually hitting on the throttle, going out. She out there, got the thing kicking. Before you know it, her ass is flipped off and in the water. The life vest on. Begging for help. Lifeguard had to come and save me. I said to myself, shit. Mm-mm. The one thing I'm saying, ladies, is this. It's nice that you want to do all these things. Don't wait for a man to do it for you. He should meet you on the track running, not be the start of the race for you. 
he should not run the first leg of the relay. You should run your own relay. And when you hand a baton to him, you should be able to run with it. Metaphorically. More in a moment. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.